I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And And this this is Hashtag Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. Welcome to Hashtag History, episode 14. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. Now, Leah, I know you did a little bit of research yourself for this episode, so I know you know we are headed in for a doozy. Yeah, and by a little bit of research, I literally clicked on one article, and it was like the (laughs) perfect article for my cocktail segment. (laughs) Oh, perfect. But yeah, I just, like, I glanced at our cocktail. Obviously, I have to glance at the cocktail ahead of time to see, like, how to make it. Mm -hmm. And I saw you had, like, little tidbits of information in there. So yeah, you know we're headed into something crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Per popular request, it would appear that our listeners are bigger fans of ancient history than U.S. history. <laughs> kind of breaks my heart, but oh my gosh, yes, I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> for our amazing listeners and for Leah, get ready because we are diving into deep ancient history. Thanks for having my back, everyone. Yeah, thank you guys for not having mine. <laughs> Now, this story begins in either 203 or 204 AD in Rome, and that's your hint, you guys. So good luck. Figure out what we're talking about from that one singular vague hint. Just kidding. We are talking this week about Elagabalus. So Yeah, I would have pronounced that wrong. Yeah, you know, I here's to saying that name about a hundred times in this episode. So <laughs> you could it, like call him Eli for sure. Oh, okay, that's actually pretty freaking cute. Um <laughs> and I was actually just gonna say I pronounce it Elagobolus. That's how I've mostly heard it, but I have heard it also pronounced Eligobolus. So mm. Ellie actually would have worked or Eli. Mm. Anyway, so it's Elagobolus. You're gonna hear it. A hundred times today. And he has long been considered by historians to be one of Rome's worst and most ill-equipped emperors ever. His reign was plagued by religious controversy, crazy parties, and really scandalous sexual exploits. Like, really scandalous. Yeah, as in Elagabalus was literally prostituting himself around the palace, even though he was an emperor. He was also married five times to five different women, all while he was carrying on a very passionate relationship with a male slave. And um, I think I can pretty much sum up Elagabalus and the general perception of him with a quote from German historian named Bartold Georg Neberg. The quote goes, the name Elagabalus is branded in history above all others because of his unspeakably disgusting life. rough (laughs) rough and with that leah take it away with this week's cocktail segment oh nice okay (laughs) so in the limited research i did on 
Elagopolis. You got it, girl. Eli. <laughs> I came across a pretty interesting article on pasttheflamingo.com, which is a cool website I stumbled upon all about food and food culture in ancient history. I actually, I'm, I use them as a source for stuff too. <laughs> I, Do you really? Yeah, I wonder if we're going to say the same thing. <laughs> oh no! No, it's okay. good. It's good. So this article, which was called Ancient Eaters, Elagabalus, the Roman Doctor, and was all about Elagabalus and his reputation for extravagant parties and inventive dishes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So with that in mind, I wanted to just make up my own cocktail for once. Oh my God, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Step out of my comfort zone. Go a little bit crazy. (laughs) So here we go. This is called Leah's Elagaboo Cocktail. (laughs) So it contains one shot of gin, and I might have made mine a double. So. Oh man! And why, if you were creating your own cocktail, would you did use I choose gin? gin? Yes. I, to be honest, I'm out of whiskey because <laughs> we've drinking so many whiskey drinks. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I already have? Gin sitting at the front of my cocktail. So much never gin. Used. Yeah. Um. So yeah, one shot of that, or two, if you're me. Um. <laughs> A little squirt of lime juice, a little bit of grenadine, and then shake shake all that up, pour it over ice, and then t- on top of it, pour ginger beer. Preferably alcoholic, but the brand that we have wasn't alcoholic. Bummer. So. Um, hopefully we can link the article to the website because it was so interesting to read about some of the crazy things this dude did at his parties. Like, for instance, at one of these rumored affairs, guests could expect up to 22 courses with a menu of everything expensive and rare. Mm. Tables were piled high with such delicacies as camel heels, peacock tongues, and ostrich brains. Not to mention... Quote, peas with gold pieces and rice with pearls, whatever that means. Hopefully not actual pearls. I, like, <coughs> got yeah, a pearl. I actually think that I think it was legitimately pearls. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eli also supposedly encouraged guests to create sauces for the dishes at the parties that he threw, with the best one being awarded with some extravagant gifts. So, Rachel... <laughs> What is my gift for my cocktail creation? <laughs> oh my god! Way to put me on the spot. Um, Come on! <laughs> I have these really cool hashtag History Podcast stickers. What? Have you heard of oh the gosh. hashtag History Podcast? No, I haven't. Oh, that burns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a bunch of stickers here. Cool. Okay, I'll take one. <laughs> The article goes on to say a lot of this was just rumor, but I thought it was pretty cuckoo and highly encourage you all and you, especially Rachel, to read it, awesome. even though apparently you already did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Oh, yeah. So let's drink up. Mmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with my double. I was just going to say mine probably tastes better than yours because it doesn't have a double. But to be honest, like, it's really not bad. This is delicious. Good job. Your Is this your first DIY cocktail? No, oh. I have made a couple others just since our arsenal is so filling up with crap. Yes. Like, different stuff for cocktail mixing. Um, so I have made some others, but 
This is my first with gin. It's delicious. I love it. Thanks. I like it too. And it's pink. Yes. Which I love. Super cute. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So I'd like to start everything I say about Elagabalus with the fact that he was 14 years old when he became emperor. Whoa. 14. With a one and then a four after it. I think I'm actually going to say that numerous times throughout this whole episode. Because it is context that has to be provided in order to understand some of the crazy choices and decisions that he made. He was 14. Okay? (laughs) Everybody got that. Got it. Think about where you were and what you were doing when you were 14. Think about how you felt and the different thoughts and emotions that you had going on. Leah, can you remember anything about being 14? If I'm being honest, and a lot of my high school friends can attest to this, no, I don't remember anything about high school. I think I blocked it out. Oh, <laughs> well, but I'm sure it was uncomfortable and awkward. And that's a, like, if I had to recall something from the time that I was 14, the only thing I can really recall, like, quickly off the top of my head was who my crush was at the time. Oh, yeah, I could tell you my crush for sure. Yeah, and my crush in particular provides a lot of context for me and how much who I am as a person has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just combine all of those things about being 14 years old with also being the emperor of Rome. Okay. We get the point. He was 14. Let's move on. Okay. I have uploaded a bust of Elagabalus for you to look at and describe, Leah. Uh, yes, I'm looking at it. And he is very much a child. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, that's surprising to see. I don't know. I expected something else. Um, You know how you, like, see some, like, 17-year-old and you're like, no, they're 50. Yeah, no. Um, but no, he definitely looks like a 14 year old. He, I don't know if this is just the image, but it looks like he even has a little bit of like scruff, but not a beard. <laughs> yeah, no, I see that too. Yeah. Which is cute. Um, yeah, he just looks like your average teenage boy with the skater boy haircut. <laughs> with a skater boy haircut and massive sideburns. Oh yeah. The sideburns are intense. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, he's a boy. Yes. And something to say right up front about this boy, because remember, he was 14. Yes, uh, thank you for the reminder. <laughs> in case you forgot, uh, he's referred to as Elagabalus now, but his birth name was actually Marcus Aurelius Antonidas Augustus. He served the god Elagabal, which is where he got the name from. Like I already mentioned, he was born in either 203 or 204 AD and was born into royalty, basically. His dad was of a class that could be considered like a knight, and that was all before being promoted to a senator, which was a huge, huge deal in the Roman Empire. Elagabalus's mother was cousin to the current emperor, Caracalla. In 217 AD, Caracalla was assassinated by his own soldiers. This was when Marcus Ophelius Macrinus, Macrinus, I think Mm -hmm. that's how it's said, uh, became emperor and made sure to get rid of any and all possible competition to the throne, which included Elagabalus and his family. 
Macrinus had them exiled to Syria, where Elagabalus's mom and grandma immediately went to work on getting Macrinus removed from the throne and Elagabalus put in his place. How they did this is pretty funny and also pretty shady. They started a campaign that garnered a lot of support in which they declared that Elagabalus was the illegitimate son of Caracalla and was therefore the rightful heir to the throne and not Macrinus. Although, here's your little reminder, Elagabalus was Caracalla's cousin. He was in no way his illegitimate son. Elagabalus also took Caracalla's names to further legitimize the claim, going by the name of Marcus Aurelius Antonitus. And if there are any questions about why he took that name, how that was Caracalla's name, here is your reminder to our audience that I have four collegiate degrees (laughs) and they are in U.S. history. (laughs) They are not in ancient Roman history. So I do know I have like a little bit of background. Caracalla was actually um, his nickname, Marcus Aurelius Antonitus was his real name. So that's why Elagabalus took that name. I know that there is some rhyme and reason to Roman names, but you won't unfortunately be able to get that explanation from me. That's all I got. Cool, cool. (laughs) Anyway, this campaign to get Elagabalus on the throne, well, it was successful. And it was quick too. Elagabalus's family had money, and they bribed men in power, particularly the military, to back them in their efforts. With so much manpower behind Elagabalus, they quickly took down Macrinus at the Battle of Antioch on June 8, 218, and later killed both him and his son. Rough. Oh my gosh. That's Roman history, man. Yeah, I know. That was like every other day. It really was like, oh, our emperor got assassinated again. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, Elagabalus became emperor. He was recognized by the Senate and granted the proper imperial title. He was also accepted to be Caracalla's son. So Elagabalus is now emperor. And Leah, I'm not sure if you remember, um, but do you recall how old he was when he became emperor? (laughs) Um, 53. (laughs) Yeah. No, 14. He was 14, Rachel. 14. Yes. 14. Now, before we get into all the juicy stuff and the whole reason why we are even doing an episode about some random Roman emperor... Leah, would you read a quote for me that I think really sets us up perfectly for what we're just about to get into? Yeah, here I go. <laughs> How awkward. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I sure can. This, this uh, quote, it comes from one of the original histories about Elagopolis, although who exactly authored it is still debated today. But anyway, go ahead, Leah. Read the quote. Okay. The life of Elagopolis. I should never have put in writing, hoping that it might not be known that he was emperor of the Romans. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's a big, uh, big dig. Yes. So why do historians feel this way about Elagabalus? For one, as Leah kind of already mentioned when we were doing um, the cocktail segment, Elagabalus knew how to throw a party. 
that same history that had the quote that you read, Leah, it had another really good one that I would also like you to read, um, specifically in relation to these extravagant parties that he would throw. You got it. All right. (laughs) Elagabalus would refuse to swim in a pool that was not perfumed by saffron, and he Mm. could not rest easily on cushions that were not stuffed with rabbit fur or feathers from under the wings of partridges. Yes. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. At his parties, he paraded wild animals around, such as lions and tigers and elephants. Oh, my. (laughs) I had to. Yeah. He showered his guests with gifts. Sometimes. There were times that he would shower them with gold or fine foods, but other times that he would have these same fine foods instead made out of wax or stone or something like that just to mess with his guest. He was so extravagant that apparently he once threw a party in which he dropped seven feet worth of flower petals from the ceiling. So many flower petals that some of his guests suffocated. What? Oh my gosh. Like you shared earlier, Leah, some of these dinner parties had a, a total of up to 22 courses of food, which... Um, sign me up, please. (laughs) Please, thank you. (laughs) Yes, please. And also, like you shared, um, Elagabalus was very particular about aesthetics. He carefully chose the color palettes for each dining experience using food dye to make everything extra beautiful, which sounds really amazing to me, and I I actually really like that part of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was all on the Empire's dollar, and people were really bothered by how extravagantly he lived. Could you imagine, like, if, um, well, I know there's, like, always, people always uncover, like, you know, state money being spent Mm -hmm. in ways it shouldn't be or whatever. But could you Mm -hmm. imagine if, like, money was spent, like, state or government money was spent on, like, a freaking Putting pearls in their rice? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like finding out that presidents of companies are putting pearls in their rice. I'd be pissed. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like, oh cool, so I've been eating pearls for a week? Thank you. Something people also didn't like about Elagabalus was his complete disregard for traditional Roman religion. Elagabalus refused to adopt Roman religious beliefs and instead continued to worship his cult god, Elagabal, even going so far as to build a temple for him where sacrifices of sheep, cows, and even humans were made in his honor. Oh. Yeah. The worst thing Elagabalus ever did, probably amongst all of his crazy behaviors that we're about to talk about, this one is considered to be the most devastating to the Roman um, society. It was his taking a Vestal Virgin Equila Severa as his wife. Now, she was one of the sacred virgins of Vestal. For anyone that doesn't know about the Vestal virgins, they were so important to Roman society and religion. In fact, it was believed that without them, Rome would not survive. Vestals were responsible for keeping the sacred fire that was not allowed to go out. They were responsible responsible for keeping it going. Mm Mm-hmm. And they were vowed to chastity while they studied and obeyed Roman religious rituals. Virginity was central to the Vestal's mission, obviously, since they were called Vestal virgins. In fact, it was believed that if that sacred fire ever did go out, 
that was a sign that one of the Vestals had been messing around and getting a little frisky. (laughs) Punishment for losing one's virginity was horrible. It was considered to be a sin to spill the blood of a Vestal virgin. So instead, they just buried them. Alive. Okay, that's the big fear. Woo, of mine. Oh, yeah. No, my mine are like getting buried alive and getting stuck in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my big ones. Yeah. So this is who Elagabalus took for a wife. Some accounts say um, basically that he raped her and um, then... Well, that's not her. surprising. Like, if she's dedicated her life to this cause, or this cause, or this belief, or this lifestyle, I highly yes. doubt even after marrying a dude that she would have just given him that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He told the Roman subjects that marrying a Vestal Virgin was the most godly thing he could do, as this marriage would produce divine children. But instead. The Roman public were disgusted and offended by his actions. To add insult to injury, Elagopolis went on to marry and divorce a total of five women, one of which was the widow of a man that he had just had executed. Okay. He's sounding more and more like a little douche. But a 14-year-old douche. (laughs) I was just going to say, do you recall how old he was? (laughs) Another Roman custom that Elagabalus broke was bringing his mom and grandma on as senators. You'll recall that Elagabalus's family was instrumental in his becoming emperor. Now, they continued to run things behind the scenes for Elagabalus to make sure he didn't completely run everything into the ground, and the public was very aware of this. They were the first women to ever be part of the Roman Senate, which, cool girl power, But also, this was extremely controversial and deeply upsetting to the Roman public and was very much against their customs. Now, the most controversial aspect of Elagabalus, and something that's still widely debated to this day, was his sexual orientation. Most historians now consider him to have been transgender or at least gender fluid. Elagabalus was known to wear a lot of makeup, which enhanced his already good looks, wear dresses, and he would even, um, like, build up materials underneath his clothing, like, build them up in his chest area to make it look as though he had breast. He was also known to be delighted to be referred to as a mistress or wife or queen. In fact, many of the sources that I referenced for my research for this episode um, actually refer to Elagabalus as an empress rather than an emperor out of respect for what is assumed to be Elagabalus's preferences. Hmm. Yeah, he was known to be really promiscuous with a written record stating that he never had intercourse with the same woman twice, except with his wife, and he opened brothels in his house for his friends, his clients, and his slaves. Like I mentioned in the introduction, Elagabalus was known to quite literally prostitute himself around the palace. He would often strip stark naked and require that his guests and slaves do the same. In fact, he opened up the baths in the palace to the public so that he could watch men and women as they bathed. As one of his many executive orders, he sent some of his staff out to search the land and find the man with the largest penis so that he could come back and bathe in the tubs and Elagabalus could admire him as well as do other things with him. 
Can you imagine being those staff members like, all right, pull down them drawers. Let me see. (laughs) I guess we'll be seeing a lot of penises today. (laughs) (laughs) And wouldn't it be so disappointing to be the guy that they were like, oh, Okay, you can continue on. Never mind. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Poor guys. <laughs> As I mentioned when discussing how many marriages and divorces he had, Elagabalus was not exactly the most loyal nor secure person in his relationships. This, however, did not apply to one particular relationship of his. Elagabalus was engaged in a fairly long-term as long-term as a tumultuous teenage relationship can be, with a man by the name of Heracles, a slave who worked as a chariot driver for the empire. Even as steady, and I used air quotes around that, steady, as this relationship was, Elagabalus had a thrill for the drama and bringing chaos into his relationships. He would oftentimes strategically place himself in a particularly risque situation in which he would ensure that Heracles would catch him in the act with either another man or woman in order to upset him and to make him jealous. Even weirder than that, Elagabalus would then order his servants to beat him, to beat him, Elagabalus, which was the same punishment inflicted upon women caught cheating on their spouses. And then Elagabalus would get off on these beatings oh this poor i mean i know things were different back then so i think that's one thing that a lot of people need to take into consideration is like i remember i feel like i've heard somewhere that like actually homosexual relationships were actually fairly common in Roman history and all this stuff so people do need to like look at it through another filter it's it's a shocking story and i think like the most shocking piece about it is he was the emperor like yeah. that that is the most shocking piece of all this. Um and then the most fascinating thing about El- Elagabalus is that he is one of the first recorded cases of a request for gender reassignment surgery. Although no surgeon would ever take him up on his offer, Elagabalus was willing to provide a hefty reward to any surgeon that would remove his penis and replace it with a female vagina. Rather, since no surgeon would perform this operation for him, he settled for circumcision, which, by the way, was a huge no-no in Roman culture. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, his mom and grandma were extremely instrumental in his reign. And grandma was picking up rather quickly that Elagabalus was not equipped to rule. She started looking to her other grandson, Severus Alexander, not Severus Snape. I was about to start going, Snape, Snape, Severus Snape, Snape. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so the other grandson, his name was Severus Alexander, or you can just refer to him as Alexander. Um, she convinced Al- Elagabalus to appoint Alexander who, by the way, was but a preteen himself. Um, She convinced Elagabalus to appoint Alexander as his successor to the throne. Alexander, however, quickly became the favorite between the two of them to the Roman public, which made Elagabalus extremely jealous and led him to begin plotting Alexander's death. In fact, Elagabalus began spreading rumors throughout the empire that Alexander was not feeling well, so that if and when he did kill him, no one would suspect anything funky, which 
can I just say, is the way to do it and is a great tip. (laughs) Yeah, guys, Rachel has been feeling really, like, ill lately. I don't know what's up with her. (laughs) Really, though, when I read that, I'm like, okay, okay. All right. I see see you. (laughs) Word got out about this, though, and the public began demanding that Elagabalus present both himself and his cousin before them on March 11th, 222 AD. Elagabalus complied and was immediately offended to hear the public cheering on his cousin rather than himself. Just as he was demanding that all of those acting insubordinate be killed, members of his own guard chased him down and stabbed him to death and then beheaded him. Oh, yeah. That escalated quickly. Yeah. Especially like the members of the public and his staff are like, oh, come present yourself to the public. There's no ulterior motive here. My gosh. Ella mother, who was there with him, she clung to him and was likewise beheaded. Oh. Yeah. Ella died at the ripe age of 18 years old. Both Elagabalus and his mom were dragged across the city, but naked, before Elagabalus's body was thrown into the river. Well, at least he went out the way he liked to live, but naked. Oh, my God. (laughs) Inappropriate. (laughs) Hey, he was one of those naked people. Many of those that associated with Elagabalus were killed following his death, including Heracles. Statues and temples that Elagabalus had built in honor of his god were torn down, and women were never allowed again to enter the Senate. Elagabalus was considered one of the worst emperors to ever live and was erased from much of our historical records. While he was most certainly not the first bisexual nor transgender person in Rome, he became such a controversial figure because his decision-making and his sex-driven behaviors had a huge impact on Roman society. He was the emperor of Rome, after all, but he completely disregarded Roman culture, religion, practices, and the betterment of the people. He turned around and abused the power he had been granted— And that is what he is now most known for. Also, I'd like to end this episode with a reminder. He was 14. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I say that because I have done so much research about Elagabalus. I have listened to other podcasts about him. And I feel like people forget that piece. And that's not an excuse for behaviors like sacrificing humans. And but at the same time, it kind I mean, yes. It kind of is. If you're, if you as a society put someone who is not fully developed physically or mentally, like, then you have to suffer the repercussions of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's why I said 700 times in this episode, he was 14 years old and was the ruler of Rome and was still trying to figure himself out and learn things about himself and about the world. I almost excuse him for abusing his power. Yeah. I I am very close to fully excusing him. A 14-year-old is not... I don't know. Every human should be held responsible for certain things, like, to some extent. But... Yeah. I don't know. At 14, like, I'm... I, I probably... Well, no. I was an excellent 
teenager who didn't make any mistakes whatsoever. (laughs) No, but I mean, you know, like 14 year olds, they make mistakes. That's when you are learning, you know, who you are and what, what's right and what's wrong. And yeah. Yeah. But the Roman society was ashamed by him and did all that they could to erase his memory. Thank God there are still historical records that exist so we can read about such a fascinating character. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of Hashtag History. We'll post that one picture of Elagabalus that Leah described to our Instagram. And you can head over to our website to see all of the sources that we use to put together our episode. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a friend and give us a rate and review. And be sure, as always, to check us out on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. I have that down now. I'm a professional. Pro status. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.